I'm Reverend Harry Bridge. And I'm Dr. Scott Mitchell, and this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. And we are coming to you from the Kodo at the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. This is the Dharma Realm Podcast for February 20th, 2009, in which we respond to some more listener questions and talk about the no-self doctrine a little bit more and also looking for something to unite all Buddhists. Uh, we're back to address uh, some more of these questions that were sent in to us by George, uh, who actually, he didn't send them in. Uh, I met him uh, after a service uh, at my temple, and uh, he asked me some of these things just off the top of his head, and I that later that night emailed them to Scott just to, to keep them fresh in my mind. Uh, and so uh, he had a couple of questions that uh, he wanted to ask, so we're going to try to get to them. Uh, the first one is kind of going back to that idea of no self. And we talked about that uh, several months ago. And he was wondering, and I guess we didn't get to it actually in that episode, I don't think. Uh, so his question is, does this idea of no self refer, uh, is that denial of the soul uh, that Christianity talks about? Yes. <laughs> okay, and our next question. <laughs> just kidding. Um yeah, so that's a. I mean, that's a great question. I'm kind of surprised. I don't. I think we didn't get really get to it. Uh, in yeah, that. probably not. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just I, forgot. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I don't know if I have an answer. I was kidding, by the way, when I said yes. <laughs> um, but only because, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think that for me, when I saw that question, my first thought was, well, I think that the the we have to understand that these concepts of anatman or uh, you know the the no self doctrine in in Buddhism is is completely like a different uh, different discourse, a different intellectual conversation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. than this issue about a soul in Christianity. Right, right, right. So you know, you know, the question is: Does it mean that there's no soul in, in Buddhism? Well, you know, short answer, yes. Long answer, no. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I think that the Christian doctrine of a, of a soul has specifically to do with the potentiality of um, salvation. Ooh. Right? If there's no soul in, in Christianity. In this, I mean, in this, this comes up because if you look at the history of, of Christians outside of Europe, you know, they had debates about whether or not Native Americans had souls. They had debates about whether or not Africans had souls. And the reason they had that debate, and they had debates about whether animals had souls, and they, all these debates were because if these other beings don't have souls, well, then we can do whatever we want with them. Right, maybe. It doesn't matter if we you know, carry out genocide against Native Americans or enslave African Americans or do animal testing or all of these things. They don't have a soul. They can't get saved. They're not going to heaven. Mm-hmm. You know. So I think that conversation is fundamentally different than this conversation that Buddhists are having about the self. Because it seems to me like the conversation that Buddhists are having has to do with, I mean, it's related, but it's different. Like it's not yeah, so much, yeah. you know, whether or not you have a soul or a self is not the crux of the issue about whether or not you become enlightened. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, the potentiality for getting enlightened is sort of inherent in all living beings, period. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whether you have a soul or not, I don't think really... Ah. Is, is a different question, maybe. I, I'm, mm. To be honest, I'm making this up as I go along. <laughs> no, some of it anyway. <laughs> well, and it, it, it's a good point because no self or anatman would be the, the Sanskrit word is a reaction to the doctrine of the atman. Mm-hmm. 
uh, which is whatever that means. But that's an Indian worldview right. of this Atman. And it, it is, I think, tied up in uh, reincarnation. Right, and how does reincarnation works? What what's going on and, and, in reincarnation? And then a lot of the Hindu cosmology. What's the point of reincarnation? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then how do you get out of it or whatever? All that is tied up with these Indian notions of Atman, whether that means self, soul, whatever. Uh, and then yeah, the the, the uh, Christian uh, not debate, but the Christian discourse on soul is taking place in a whole another arena, a totally different worldview. And so yeah, we could. Um, here in the 21st century, maybe I could say, well, I'm a Buddhist, I'm right, and I'm going to prove it to you because, and then use the doctrine of no self to to uh, maybe try to criticize Christianity yeah. in this kind of apologetic, uh, polemic, uh, sort of polemic thing. Um, I choose not to do that for the most part. Um, well, but it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> um, it's fun for me. I'll stop. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I think I think you're right, and that, that that I think we need to look at what sort of separate those two questions, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and try to understand that when the Buddha says there's no self, he's not saying there's no Christian soul. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I think that you can use that line of reasoning that the Buddha is using to deconstruct the notion of a Christian soul, like you were saying, um, and that might be fun, um, but I don't think that's what you know. That wasn't the original intent. Right, 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 you know, right, when the Buddha first said this stuff, there was no such thing as Christianity. So, <laughs> right, right, right. it was funny the other night. I was doing a, a lecture. Well, in the course of a lecture, the question came up about reincarnation and uh, what gets reincarnated. Yeah, right. And so I gave one of this whole. About. Yeah, we tried to talk about it before, and we might get in a little more. <laughs> I went on this whole spiel about the five skandhas and how it's all these momentary things that are are um, dependent on other causes and conditions and that there's no fundamental eternally existing thing there that's being acted upon. That it's, it's just, it's like all these little atoms going together. And I went on this whole thing. I must have talked for like 10 minutes. And the response from the person who asked the question was, but how is that possible? <laughs> it just seemed totally absurd to him, right? Um, so it's interesting. So my response was, well... How is a soul possible either? Yeah. I mean, if you look at things from a chemistry point of view or a physics point of view, then there's no soul there that's like this magical um, ghostly spirit thing that um, is hanging around or whatever. But it brings to mind the, the idea of worldview, right? And that uh, if we've been brought up in Judeo-Christian culture, then we may not even question the idea of a soul. It's, of course, of course there's a soul. Of course there's some self this meanest, it's going to survive after I die or whatever, that we may not even question that. And then reincarnation is like, what are you talking about? That's just stupid. But That's crazy talk. Yeah, from the other point of view, though, reincarnation may just be the most natural thing in the world. And um, that idea of a soul, well, I think soul still gets caught up in, in, in Asia, right? And um, yeah, Buddhism yeah, gets yeah. mixed in with other things and tamashi and uh, these spirit kind of ideas, but... Yeah, the, the the classical no self doctrine of Buddhism is pretty is pretty intense and high level, and I think probably most people don't really uh, even bother with it and haven't really dealt with it. It's more like monks talking about that kind of thing, right? And maybe that's for the best. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> only because I feel like uh, you know, as you were talking and saying, you know, this person who asked you this question and sort of deconstructing the five skandhas and all these things, like if you keep if you keep following this line of logic, then there really is no inherent, everlasting, permanent self inside of you, which can be a really 
unsettling proposition. Right, right, right. Um, which, you know, ultimately is, is part of the path, I think, toward mm-hmm. awakening. But, mm-hmm. you know, not everybody is there. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that, you know, some people have to start there. Right, 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 right. You know. it, and that it's kind of like Madhyamaka or whatever the um, schools that emphasize emptiness, right? Where those were sometimes viewed as negative. That if that is the focal point of your thing, saying that nothing inherently exists, well, great. You know, it just you're, you're kind of starting from negative, right? Uh, and so it's often that's not the most skillful place to start with. Yeah, and I think right. I think this idea of what you were saying of worldview is very important. I mean, we can't. I think it's difficult to just sort of take one particular Buddhist word or concept or doctrine out of this larger context. I mean, no self makes sense in this larger context of Manjamaka teachings and Yogacara and, you know, Huayan and all these other things. You put them all together, then a lot of these things make more apparent sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but just sort of like focusing on one and getting hung up on it is like, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. it's unsettling. So, you know, be careful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one thing that did come up, though, in the discussion uh, that I was thought was interesting was... Uh, well, how is that possible, right, was his question. But how is any of this possible? Like, not even from a Buddhist point of view, but if you think down to where, you know, they realize that things are made of atoms, yeah, and, and that atoms, atoms are, made are made up of, of these three things. smaller particles, right, and that there's all this empty space in where the electrons are circling around and the nucleus or whatever, and then they discover that even those are not the basic building blocks, Right? And that you can even break down a proton or a neutron or whatever and into um, then get into quantum kind of stuff. And maybe or, there is no fundamental particle even. Yeah. Or to take that another direction on a more complicated level, um, if you think about DNA mm-hmm. and how they, you know, they unpack the, the DNA chain and, and I'm going to say things that probably don't make a lot of sense because I'm not a scientist. <laughs> so bear with me. But um, I know that they unpack the DNA chain and like the DNA between human beings and, and a rat is surprisingly and frighteningly similar. Mm-hmm. The, the, the fundamental building blocks of life are not that different. But there's this whole other level of, of chemical markers on the DNA that accounts for the diversity of, mm-hmm. of, of life on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a through some random accident of chemistry that or even here at all, <laughs> you know, and that sheer complexity and the sheer complexity and possible, you know, the, the reality of deconstructing the world into subatomic particles is like, yeah, how is any of this possible? It's mind blowing. <laughs> if you think about it. <laughs> ah. <laughs> we still live our lives, <laughs> right? We still keep going. Um, and, but that's also, that made me think, uh, you know, we see it and we say, wow, this world of incredible diversity and, and um, you know, all the different the different things. But that's only from our limited viewpoint of being these little creatures on this earth, right? And that there may be uh, places elsewhere in the universe or beyond our universe, assuming there is only one. Sometimes I say the universe and that seems limiting to me. You know, I want to almost say multiverse, right? Who's to say that yeah, our yeah. universe is, I mean, we're so self-centered sometimes as humans, right? Right. Just in thinking, oh, yes, with our new telescopes, we can see these, you know, billions of light years out and see how the universe is expanding. But how do we know there's not some other universe just... Just beyond. Or way, way, way beyond. Just Or even just, overlapping, right? Like string theory talks about that too, doesn't it? Uh, Which is something I don't really... Or, or, you know, other yeah. dimensions or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah that we, we, I think sometimes we get too uh, caught up in thinking that we're right about uh, 
you know, thinking that right. we know, we can see everything, right? We, everything is within our view, and there may be other stuff uh, that isn't, it is totally beyond uh, our viewpoint. So who cares if there's no self or soul? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let it go, man. <laughs> well, there was one other question uh, that we thought we might look at. And that was, this question is asking if, if there, is there, is there one thing that unites all Buddhists? So it's an interesting question. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I have no idea. <laughs> well, before we started recording, you, you mentioned a couple of things. You said the Buddha and right. I sort of thought about some basic you know, general things like karma or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and we were afraid of getting back into that argument about what Shinran actually knew. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so we don't have to go quite there. I think the Buddha is, if I had to say one thing, that's the only thing I would really feel comfortable talking about or giving as an answer. The Buddha as the one thing that unites uh, all schools. Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> right, because... And really, I mean, I, I, mean I, I laugh, but I think it's a serious <laughs> question. Like... Yeah, I think that the Buddha shows up in all schools of Buddhism, obviously. But you know how the Buddha is understood, right, right. whether it's the totally Buddha different. is uh, you know yeah. fully human or this quasi divine being, or, um, or there's three Buddhas, or, being or yeah, 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 all of those different yeah. perspectives on the Buddha, and, and then which Buddha? Yeah, you can then go on because yeah. yeah. in Jodo Shinshu, the the, the or, traditional viewpoint is. Yes, Shakyamuni is important, but the reason he's important is because he taught us about Amida. About some other Buddha. Yeah, right. and that Amida Buddha is the one that we center on. And so that's a place where you would think that, yeah, Shakyamuni Buddha is central to all schools, but he's not. Right. Oh. So yeah. I don't know if we can answer that question, man. Sorry. Well, but the, so it's a <laughs> tricky answer kind of to say the Buddha, I guess. Yeah. Because yeah. Or it's, a, it's a way to get out of, of getting into too much detail, but you can go into detail if you want. Uh, because then you can expand by asking, you know, which Buddha do you mean? What do you mean by Buddha? Uh, right. Does there, I mean, my question is, does there need to be anything that I was just, I was just thinking that I was just thinking that because I've been thinking about this idea that, you know, I think in our, in our, in the the great, you know, what did Shinran know debate that we had several months ago? Mm -hmm. Um, one of the issues was what did Shinran know historically? And can we go back in time and sort of figure out what Shinran actually knew? And you didn't want to give him any slack. (laughs) (laughs) That's your take, anyway. <laughs> oh, it started. Um, you started it. I did. I'm sorry. Um, I'll, I'll backpedal though. Um, and I think that what I was, what what I've been thinking about since then is that, you know, looking historically, we can say that you know there's, we can try to figure out what people knew at certain points in time in history, and from that point of view, maybe there isn't one thing that would unite all Buddhists mm-hmm. because Buddhism was different at different times, different places and more or less isolated. Mm-hmm. And that at this particular moment in history today, when we're so globalized, it's easy to know about different kinds of Buddhism and different kinds of Buddhist teachings. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you asked that question, I was like, well, is that a good thing? Should all Buddhists have this sort of unifying theme? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, should we worry so much about, Buddhism 101 or general Buddhism or, you know, I don't know. I, I sometimes, and this is extemporaneous. I might be totally wrong. So don't send me the hate mail, <laughs> but I, I sort of, I, I sometimes wonder if we should focus more on the differences, not in terms of like the differences as it, so that, you know, I'm right and you're wrong, but just to sort of highlight that there are different Buddhist, different ways of looking at Buddhism 
um, and accepting that there's different ways of looking at Buddhism and that they have value, right? That different perspectives on Buddhism have value um, and sometimes are, are pretty weird and crazy and mm-hmm. deep and interesting and mm-hmm. different, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sometimes I worry about this sort of leveling of Buddhism. I'm glad you finally came around to my point of view. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was trying to say. (laughs) No, I'm kidding, but that's totally how I feel. That, um, yeah, I I personally, maybe this is a postmodern thing or multicultural thing or 21st century thing, I don't know, but um, I don't feel like we all have to, uh, you know, all Buddhists somehow have to be the same and um, on the same page. And then what does yeah. that mean? Against what? Christianity, Islam, Judaism, Taoism, right? Right, that, right. That, um, I feel that diversity is a good thing. Yeah, and, and, and we have to recognize that when we say diversity or difference, we're not saying making differences between Buddhism in order to build one up and shoot the other one down. Like I think you can have differences in different schools and still say, you know, we believe X, this other school believes Y, why it's perfectly acceptable. This is what we believe. Let's get into it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it in some deep way rather than sort of glossing over it with, you know, these basic teachings, which I think are important, but it's also like, well, you can get the basic teachings anywhere nowadays. Right, right, right. right, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is part of a larger rant I'm working on. So oh, oh, good. It's good. kind of building up. Looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah absolutely. Um, you know, and Buddhism does have in the tradition uh, a kind of ranking system. Not all of Buddhist schools, right? But that, like for China, for example, there was at Panjiao, where uh, they're faced with all these different kinds of Buddhism. So they, different schools come up with different rankings and which right, text right. is number one, right? And uh, Japan, with their exclusive schools that develop in Kamakura period, what, about seven, eight hundred years ago, that you end up with these schools that say Nembutsu is uh, supreme, or Zen is supreme, or Lotus Sutra is supreme, or Esoteric Buddhism is supreme. That's been happening for a long time in Buddhism. And we're kind of, if you're a member of one of those schools that does that, then you're kind of saddled with that in a way. And you can either take that and buy into it and go all fundamentalist with it and then say, yeah, we're number one. All other Buddhists are inferior to us. Or... Uh, we can try to be maybe a little bit more open, and it doesn't mean that we should reject ours and say, "Oh no, these all all of them are great." You know, and I do all of them. No, right, I feel like right. I can be Jodo Shinshu, and proud of that, and that is the path that I'm on. But it doesn't mean that I judge other Buddhist schools or other religions from that point of view. That I can also uh, accept the possibility that these other tr- um, uh, traditions have truth as well. Yeah, and it goes back to that question of last time of you know we chose Jodo Shinshu because it worked for us, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's kind of how I feel. It's like, Jodo Shinshu works for me, I have reasons for that. Buddhism in general works for me, I have reasons for that. Um, if, you know, you are part of an esoteric school or a Theravada school or whatever, and that works for you, great. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that. And I think that that's where we get into this tricky stuff, like you were saying, of ranking, like, you know, mm-hmm. only the Pure Land is the best. Well, I don't know that, and I follow the Pure Land school. Mm-hmm. Because it works for me. Mm-hmm. And I th- so I think we can emphasize those dis- differences and yet still respect and accept other people, mm-hmm. other paths. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so that um, the uh, Asian American and Hapa Dharma teachers retreat that I went on about a month ago, and I think I mentioned it uh, a few months ago. And um, 
I was, there were people from Zen tradition, Tibet, various Tibetan traditions. Um, one person was Chogyam Trumpa's personal assistant. Uh, other um, branches of Jodo Shinshu, uh, 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 friends of Dharma, friends of something or other. <laughs> oh, the friends of the Western Buddhist <laughs> yeah, order? Yeah, friends of the Western Buddhist order. And this, for some reason, we allowed each other to be ourselves and it was just amazing. It was like really the, the first time that I think I was able to be with other Buddhists and not feel like this kind of one-upmanship of that somehow I was competing or that I had to protect my territory too, where I was under attack, Yeah, you know, yeah. and that I had to kind of, you know, say, back off, buddy. You're, you know, you th- sure, you think you're right, but I can, I'm allowed to think I'm right too, so where are we? We're just going to fight now, right? And it wasn't like that. It was really amazing uh, to, to be able to be with these other Buddhists and appreciate what Buddhism has done for them, right? Appreciate uh, that their path is different, uh, but that they've, it's, it's fed them and it's, you know, it's a part of who they are and it's, it's allowed them to be who they are now and that that's great. And I don't have to follow their path. And they don't have to follow mine, but we can still sit in the same room together and talk and, you know, share food and, and um, discussion. And uh, yeah, so it was really significant to me. I was just blown away. Yeah, yeah that reminds me of this uh, Women in American Buddhism conference the IBS hosted in Denver in August, September, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, similar kind of thing where many different kinds of Buddhists were there and it was specifically for women and family issues. Um, but it seemed like it was the same kind of experience. I was just there filming. So I was sort of a observer, but mm-hmm. it seemed like people were having the same kind of experience of accepting one another and also accepting those differences, but coming together because they were all related by the central issue of being women. Mm-hmm. So as you were talking, I was thinking maybe the answer to this question of what unites all of Buddhism isn't really a Buddhist issue, but it's other issues like being a human being or being a woman or being part of a larger community mm-hmm. and to sort of look past those differences, like accept them and use them and talk about them, but use them to unite us for other issues, right? Larger issues like socially engaged issues or poverty or justice or those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And wouldn't it be great if we could then go beyond Buddhism right. and, you know, go beyond those boundaries and then uh, Christianity, Islam, other, you know, Asian religions, whatever, new religions. Dude, we're going to change the world. <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> that was when the, this is getting awfully idealistic of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but doesn't that seem possible? I mean, yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah. the hope, right? That maybe something can be different. Maybe isn't there some way that uh, we can... Instead of saying, I'm right, you're wrong, right? And assuming that I'm right, uh, move beyond that. Yeah. I think that takes more, personally, I think that that takes more courage than saying, I'm right and I know I'm right, right? Yeah, I think I'm going to fight everyone else and mow everyone down. I think that takes, that takes a lot more courage and acknowledging difference is much more intellectually challenging. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and, and spiritually too, because yeah. it requires you to accept the fact that maybe I'm wrong or right. maybe I'm not 100% right. Or maybe they're just as right as I am. Yeah. I sometimes worry about the sort of leveling of the playing field of, of we're all the same Buddhists because it seems like, well, that's not intellectually challenging. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're all the same, then you're sort of done. Mm-hmm. You don't have to think about it anymore. But if we're all different, then it's like, oh, well, why are we different? Mm-hmm. And like you said, being prepared to be wrong, it's hard. But I think ultimately that struggle and that challenge is going to make us stronger. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and I mean, this is getting really postmodern in a way, I think, or maybe even post postmodern. I don't Ooh. know. Yeah. <laughs> but I've, heard, I've talked about this with one person I knew 
And they totally said, well, that just gets into complete relativism. And then nothing becomes true after that. And like he re- reacted very strongly against, I think, what we're talking about. And, uh, you know, if you accept the fact that there's some other truth than the one you accept, then does that make your truth less true? Right. And for him, Maybe. he was, I think, frightened by it yeah. um, or, or against the idea. Um, and that's kind of scary. I think that's the, the, the reaction the, in a reactionary sense, right? In a kind of conservative sense that, whoa, wait a second, wait a second. There's some stuff that I know to be true. Uh, that I should be free to make as much money as I want or that I, you know, somehow Buddhism is true and the other ones are not, you know, and if you're asking me to, to question that, uh-uh, uh-uh, I'm not going to go there, you know, so um, I think that's the one of the barriers uh, that we face in our new mission of <laughs> opening the world. <laughs> uh, reality came back yeah, to get us. Reality check. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think you're right. I think that can be unsettling, but... Too bad. Yeah. Again, I kind of feel like you it, want everyone around you to be the same. It was yeah, so boring. Yeah. I think it takes more work and it's harder, but mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it might be unsettling and scary and un, you know uncomfortable. But I think doing that kind of work is ultimately good, mm-hmm. not only for an individual but also for the culture at large mm-hmm. and the world. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not going to be cynical anymore, man. Right. <laughs> it's a new day. Well, and I appreciate the fact that this question. Uh, came up because in a way we kind of said no nothing we don't have something that it has unites and that's not even the point right and we in a way we kind of uh rejected the question i feel like but i think the question needs to be asked i mean the asking that question uh took us on this route of of uh you know going other avenues and openness and acceptance acceptance uh and that maybe not all buddhists have to believe the same thing right right well, we've reached the end of our time for this podcast. Uh, so we'd like to thank George uh, for asking these questions. See, it's a good thing people send us questions. Absolutely, yeah. So keep sending them. Right? Look, you can, look how much good stuff came out of this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, You can uh, talk to us in person or email us or uh, post questions or comments at the uh, dharmarealm.com website or even our Facebook, Facebook page, page or my blog, your blog, whatever. Uh, and We're out there. Yeah. Easy to find. And we may not directly answer the question, or we may not give you the answer you expected, uh, but it, it, it's good for us, too. It's to always good these. for a fun yeah. ride. <laughs> yeah, it gives us a starting point. Uh, so this will conclude uh, this podcast uh, for February 20th, 2009.